Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. Hey, all the thing I do, it is you. Nope. <laughs> it's a good day. Football is back. All right, that's when it's course now. There we go. All right, there we go. I'm excited. Today is a good day. Some of y'all, first time came, and you're like, what in the world is happening? Why is the pastor have a helmet on? It's because football is back, baby, and I'm excited. Um, no, but today we are talking about something that I think uh, we don't do enough at church. I don't think we have fun enough. Right? Anybody with me on that? I want to show you something. I want to show you. I think my goal is that we always, I'm going to put this front and center so y'all know what's up, um, by the way, when the Browns beat the Titans today. Um, and yes, that is a button-down shirt inside because I don't have the pads, so just deal with that. <laughs> I want to show you something. I think as the church, we should do the best job of having fun. Anybody with me on that? Yes. We got a lot to celebrate. Here's what has encouraged me today and maybe made me even take a few steps forward. Um, a lot of you guys know what Twitter is, right? And we're in the South, so everybody knows what KFC is. <laughs> I want to tell you a story about a, a young man who was hanging out on Twitter, looking at some stuff, and he went to the KFC profile, right? Some of you guys may have heard this story. And for whatever reason, he clicked on the people that KFC followed. And there are 11 people, all five Spice Girls, and six guys named Herb. Now, if you, if you can make the connection here, yes. KFC is famous for what? 11 herbs and spices, right? So check this out. Do we have the picture ready? We don't have the picture. That's going to kill the whole point here. It's in the Google Drive. Here we are, guys, just doing what we're doing, right? Yeah, there it is. It's, um, so how's, how's Sunday, everyone? This is a little bit embarrassing. Do we have it, Dusty? Are we going to have it? Excellent news. Well, in the meantime, this is what we do, guys. We bring our best, right, Leah? They play today. They do at 1 o'clock. Baker Mayfield, it's a uh, start of the Super Bowl. No. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I can shift something. In other news, I'm excited about today. We'll get that picture in a second because today is my 12th anniversary with my lovely wife, Lane, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't think anyone outside of my mom could love me that long, but um, here we are. So uh, we just, we need to have more fun, man. We need to celebrate more. We need to take opportunities to actually be happy about the thing that we have, which is Jesus, right? I think we don't do that enough. I think a lot of times we come to church and we're like, I'm going to go hear about how I'm the worst person ever. Um, and then I'll be like, wow, I need to pray. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat some barbecue and then I'll sleep and I'll forget about all that. And we don't actually come and like get excited and celebrate. And what I want to offer you today in this kind of different doubt your doubt is I want to offer you the opportunity or maybe the thought that, that we should make church fun again. And if you have our app, um, you can see it in the notes there. If you don't have our app, it's uh, pretty awesome and easy to go get. Uh, it's called the church app and then it'll automatically find Tithely here or find the church here. Um, but it's through Tithely and we have all of our sermon notes in there. There it is. We're back. We're back. So, um, but you can find sermon notes in there as well. So, so KFC responded to this guy and, and made this painting for him. And that's the guy who found out about the herbs and spices on the back of Colonel Sanders holding a piece of their chicken in the middle of nature. But what's even better, right? That's already fun. But let's take the next step. Do you have the second picture as well? This is how they sent it to him. Can you send that up there? Look at that. Yes. Is that legit or what? Like, it, it's so funny and so cool, but at the same time, I'm like, man, KFC has more fun than church has right now, right? They, they send him this huge, ridiculous oil painting, not a print, which means they commissioned someone to paint this, put it in a gold frame. Like, you know whoever did that was giggling the whole time. He's like, we can put it in a frame or we can put it into a gold frame. Put it in a gold frame and then shipped it to him and he opened up. That's literally the picture 
um, that he got when he opened it. He took the picture and responded. Yeah. My, if anybody is a gifted artist and you want to, like, paint me in a Renaissance picture, I'll hang it anywhere you want. You can just tell me where. Um, yeah, but, but that's, that's the difference, right? Like, they're having fun. They're having fun over chicken and Twitter. And when I consistently think about church and about Jesus and about what Christians are good at and what we're not good at, I don't mean to hate here, but guys, we're not good at having fun. We're not. Because here's what happens. We either decide that, well, it's not real because you can't really be that happy, or we're just scared of it. Because we've been taught through culture and through kind of living every week that we go to church, we're very silent, we're calm, collected, there's no noise here, the children are quiet. That's how we have church. But then, guys, I read the gospel and I see Jesus being interrupted by children and people, disciples trying to shush them and him saying, no, let them come. This is what it's about right here. And I don't know if you guys have ever met children. They're not overly quiet. <laughs> right? You're that or they're scared of the world. That's, there's no in between. Um, which would tell me my son is not scared of the world at all. But, but shouldn't the church have fun like this? And so the question for this morning is, what place does fun have in church? I know you came here and you're like, maybe didn't expect that, but welcome to Trailside. Um, and so I want to read just out of, real quick, out of Matthew 5. We're going to be Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. And it's a very familiar verse if you've been in church your whole life. If not, you may have probably heard it. But it's actually in the middle of this incredible sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, when Jesus is teaching, uh, you Heard the Beatitudes probably, um, if, you, if you are familiar with any kind of church stuff at all. You've heard it said this, but I say this kind of stuff. Blessed are those who are poor. That's what this Sermon on the Mount is, and it comes from that. And this is what he says in verse 13. This is Jesus speaking to the people, and he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Likewise, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, I don't know if you guys grew up in church, but if you did, like me, I was raised in Catholic church. So we had a little thing called CCD. Any CCDers out there? Anybody? couple of us. Look at us. There's four of us left. <laughs> the rest are gone. I don't know. Now, I went to CCD every Monday night. I loved it because uh, one of the guys there gave us a dollar if we answered questions right, which is how I became a pastor. Prosperity gospel. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Things you shouldn't say in church. Check. <laughs> Stay with us. You'll hear a lot more. Um, but uh, I went to CCD. And, you know, everyone kind of did that one thing in church where they give you a thing of salt, like taste the salt. You're like, okay, great. And take a huge swig and you make horrible faces. And um, I remember our, our CCD guy told us, he was like, you know, what do you use it for? Like, what's the purpose of salt? And if you're from Greenville or you lived here longer than one year, you know what we use salt for. Everything that you can eat, right? But most importantly, throw it on the ground for ice, right? And if you're new to Greenville, if you're a, maybe a freshman or you just moved here, um, you're going to get ice later in a couple months. You'll want snow, and you'll be like, wow, 10 inches of snow, and you'll get one inch of snow, six inches of ice, the whole city shuts down. It's just welcome to Greenville. Um, but yeah, but so we talk like, oh, well, you just throw it on the ground. And I remember this guy, his name's Chuck Eaton. He, he looked at me, and he was like, yes, but if you throw it on the ground, you're missing the whole point of what it's for. And I was like, 11? Like, All right, whatever, just give me my dollar. I got it right. Um, but that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here, right? Like salt has a couple of purposes. And, and the first point on our uh, sermon app or our notes this morning is this, that followers of Jesus should have an effect on culture with an A. And this is why, because salt has many purposes in Jesus' time. And really, it's not far-fetched from what we use it for either. There were mainly three. It was um, as a preservative, right, to keep food fresh. I don't know if you guys know about this. I know living in 2019 is really hard. We're ready for 2020, but back then there was no air conditioning. Uh, I know that's hard to consider. Some of you guys are like, I don't even know what I do without internet. I know, I get it. No air conditioning. It wasn't a way to 
to keep stuff cold. So they would literally take big slabs of meat that they you know, would kill their animals or go to the market and they'd cover it in salt to preserve it so it'd stay long enough to get home and eat. And, and it made things that were good stay good. It gave sustainability. Well, the second thing they used it for was seasoning. Who likes salt on food? Anybody? Anybody a salt guy or girl? Yeah. I had a thing where I didn't eat eggs for a long time because when I was like 11, I got sick, had eggs, got sick, right? So I stayed away from them. About five years ago, my wife was like, hey, just try this. And I remember like cutting a piece off egg, hating it. I was like, there's no way. I put it in my mouth and it was delicious. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never had an egg that tasted like this. You know what I found out? My mom, who I love and can cook incredibly well, never salted eggs, but my wife did. And I was like, give me more of this soft potato chip goodness. <laughs> Started crushing eggs. Because that's what it does. It makes things good. It brings taste to things that are tasteless. If you've ever just thrown an egg in a pan and eaten it, that's cool, I guess. But, but salt makes everything better. Can I get an amen? We're in the South. Yeah. yeah. Look, listen, I'm from Ohio. I came down here. The craziest thing I saw, y'all put salt on watermelon? Yes. I'm with you. Mess my world up. I don't know if you guys have just burned all of your taste buds off your tongue and you're like, I got to do something to taste this watermelon. I don't know why that's the voice I use, but um, salt on watermelon. That was a new one for me. That was a new one. Still can't do it. But, but that's what it does. It, it brings taste to things that are tasteless. Or the third thing that Jesus points out is when, when the purpose of salt is gone, it's only necessary to throw down so you can trample it underfoot purposeless. It's less than. In that culture, in the bottom of your feet is kind of a way of giving somebody the middle finger because it's the dirtiest part, the smelliest part, the, the part that no one should ever have to touch. It's the filthiest part of you. And so he's saying when it loses its preservative, the whole point of it is that you throw it on the ground and the dirtiest messed up part of you touches it and it keeps you upright for safety. But, but guys, that's exactly why we should affect culture that way. If you follow Jesus, you should be salt, not so you can be like, look how tasty I am. That's a weird thing to say. Um, but, but look how much, how much I add to life and look how much I make things better. It's because as a follower of Jesus, when the world is freaking out and things are going poorly, you step in knowing the gospel and knowing eternity and bring hope to people who don't have it. But that, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, listen, you make life better because you're not trusting yourself. You're trusting in him and what he's done. That's how we make life better. That's what salt is. You guys ever have those people who are in your life and they hang out with you and they leave and you're like, I'm happier than I was when, when 10 minutes ago. Anybody have those people? Yeah, we got some friends in, in our community, our covenant group who like, we hang out with them and they're just the happiest people ever. And when they leave, even if it's for five minutes, you're like, I like life more now. This is an enjoyable experience. Like, I wonder, that's, what, that's what we should be. That's joy that comes from knowing that like Jesus is greater than all this muck that we're in here. The second is that culture should not have an effect on the followers of Jesus. Notice the wordplay there. Started with an A, went for the E secondarily. Somebody right now is on Google fact-checking that difference of effect and effect, right? Yeah, somebody is. It's quiet. Um, he knows. Now, but culture should not have an effect on followers of Jesus, meaning we shouldn't be the ones who are being navigated to and fro by the winds of culture. For instance, who watches the news? Anybody? Anybody like turn on the news every night? Look at that shift in mentality. Like two people, yeah. My dad watches the news every night, every night. And then when that's over, he watches the national news at like 7 o'clock or 6.30. I don't know when it is. And consistently, if you watch news, it's like, this person died, this person died, this person was murdered, this person died, here's a squirrel water skiing, this person died, and you know what I mean? Man, it's terrible. And people, people watch it because it draws them in, like, oh my gosh, what is the world coming to? Here's the deal, as believers, like James talks about not being tossed to and fro, having a deep, deep rudder. Because as believers, we have the one thing that tells us when the world is going crazy and falling apart, that it is not going to be overtaken and we don't have to have fear. And that's because Jesus. 
And so we should have joy. We should be salt. We should be the light. Because as everyone else is freaking out, wondering what's going to happen next, we know that nothing can overtake us because Jesus is exactly who he says he is. That should bring us joy. And in verse 14, Jesus says, you're a light, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. Isn't that really interesting? It's a cool thing. Darkness does not overtake light. Darkness is the absence of light. Light overtakes darkness. And so what Jesus says, he's like, you listen, you are a lamp. You bring light. People don't put a light on and then put a basket over it. He says, no, instead people take it and they put it on a high place so it can bring as much illumination to the world, to the room as possible. And then Jesus speaking to culture because newsflash, Jesus was not talking to America in 2019 here, okay? I just want to let's get that out of the way. We have lights we just flip on. But to the culture he's speaking to, they would have probably the poorer families, the farmers and those people that he was mainly talking to would have one little lamp. And they would put it on a high stand in the middle of the room so that everybody could see. He's like, that, that's what you are. You are a light. But it's not just to a room, it's to the world. Church, we as believers should have fun. We should be a light to the world. When people are writhing in darkness and are hurt and are scared, we are the people who they come to and find joy and peace and comfort and hope. Because you have been called the light of the world up on a hill so that everybody would know the goodness of God. We should have fun. We should bring life. It'd be silly to, to light a lamp and then cover it up and extinguish it. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. The third thing of why, why Christians should have fun. Who wants to be like Jesus? Anybody here want to be like Jesus? Yeah, awesome. Some of you guys are like, I will not raise my hand in church. People may look at me. It's okay. You don't have to raise your hand in church. Well, good. I want to be like Jesus. You know where I find Jesus a lot in the Gospels? Hanging out with people. Partying. Having a good time. Now, I'm not saying, like, listen, if you're in here and you're like, wow, that pastor said we should party. Oh, no, oh, you can get a grip. <laughs> Remember when I said I'm going to say things? Yeah, that's another one. Um, no, no, I, I see Jesus at places like finding himself at a wedding in Cana for his first miracle, turning water into wine. I see Jesus at parties and feasts and gathered around people. I see him hanging out with people who are forgotten, who are outcasts. And you know what we've done in church? We've done this thing where we've said, oh, we're going to help the outcasts. We're going to do it in a very safe environment that's away from everybody so we can control everything. And that's not what Jesus does. Jesus is living life when these moments come to him. Is that, mess, is that shake anybody a little bit? Have we realized that? Y'all, listen, I'm a pastor. I get it. I'm supposed to know things. That shakes me when I, read, when I read that. Like, Jesus isn't going, I'm going to go on mission and go to this neighborhood, knock on doors. Jesus is living his life, and he is around people who need help, who are seeking some kind of comfort. Some, he is going to the places where they are, in daily life. He is not making it, I'm going to take a weekend trip to the ghetto or to Curacao or wherever, and I'm going to go love people. It's as he is living, he is being bombarded with people who need help, and he stops and he lives with them, and he does it every day. He does it at weddings. He does it at feasts. He does it at parties. When he's at home, he has his disciples with him. Jesus was in places where people were celebrating and enjoying life, and he spoke life and truth into those places. He didn't come in like, hey, yeah, let's all get wasted, and then I'll tell you about the gospel. He walked into these places where people were, and he said, I see that you are thirsty. Let me tell you about the, the water that will never, or that will extinguish your thirst forever. He brought purpose into those places. Church, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we should have fun and we should not fear bringing life into places of death. But we do. But the church does. Look at Luke 15. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. You're probably familiar with it. And the prodigal son goes and he wastes all of his life 
waste all of his inheritance, all the things on all the things the world would offer. And as he's coming back to his father, he says, even my father's servants have food. They have a place to eat. And I'm trying to eat what's left over in the fields by the pigs. And as he goes to the father, this is what Jesus uses, right? This is a parable that Jesus uses to show how we should feel about those who are coming back to him. He says, as he's approaching and the, the son is, is figuring out his apology, he's got it rehearsed in his head. You guys ever done this? You're like, all right, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to say this and this and this. And they're going to forgive me. Or if they don't, I'm going to be like, yeah, well, you stink too. And I hate you as well. As he's rehearsing his apology, his father runs, runs out to meet him, which we could talk about that forever, but that's actually a, a sign of dishonor for fathers. They never run to the younger people, but he runs to him. He grabs his son, and then what does he do? He tells his servants, he said, hey, get him the best robe. Hey, get him, get him the ring with the family crest. Hey, put, put shoes on his feet. Restore him back into the family. Oh, and in addition to that, go kill the fattened calf. Now listen, there's only one reason people had fattened calves. You know what that was? Because they were going to celebrate something. That calf had a purpose. But nothing was greater to the father than seeing his son return home. And when that happened, nothing ever could get in the way of that. And he said, grab that calf that I've been saving for this and bring it because we are going to eat and we are going to party because my son who is dead has now returned home. See, that's what happens when we know and follow Jesus. And the fourth is this. It's that followers of Jesus have more of a reason to celebrate than anyone else. In 1 Corinthians 15, this is what Paul says. I'm going to read this, and then I'm really excited because we have a little special treat for you guys this morning. It says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We were even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, and get this, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. See, church, we have a reason to celebrate. And Paul says that to the church in Corinth. He said, listen, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, if God actually doesn't resurrect people, then your faith is in vain, your life is in vain, the preaching is in vain, and everything we're doing doesn't matter. And in addition to that, people should feel more sorry for you than anyone else. Consider who was living life in those days. We had paralytics and people with leprosy and disease that was very, very public, sitting in the gates of the city, who weren't allowed in, who were despised and thought less than. And Paul says, you are to be pitied deeper than them if Jesus hasn't been raised, if it's not real. But then this is what he says. When I find my place there, this will be good. But, love that. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead for the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. Church, I got news for you. Jesus was raised from the dead. And, and, and our faith, our preaching, our mission, our ministry, things like Parents' Night Out and Third Saturday, things like college, the gathering and college group and Resolve, Sunday mornings, trail kids, that those are not useless because Jesus has raised from the dead. And y'all, we should celebrate that. That should pump you the heck up if you know Jesus. Because he was raised from the dead. And because he was, we're going to party. Right, Jonathan? We're going to party. Isaiah 25 says that it will be like a feast with the greatest, greatest meats and the finest wines. I know you're all like, oh, grape juice. No, I'm sorry, it's just wine. <laughs> Nobody here is probably like that unless it's your first time and you're never coming back. But we love you. 
that we'll have glorified bodies without physical or mental anguish. They'll be dancing and singing and all things that are good. And here's a shocker, all kinds of people, all different nations, all different skin tones. I can't wait. I can't wait to see people in heaven that I lost touch with 15 years ago who I never thought would be there. Somebody's making coffee. We're going to have to ignore that. I have no idea what it is. That's really annoying. Maybe. It's the bathroom? Oof. Kids, am I right? That's our safe and secure kids' bathroom. There we go. It's never easy at Trailside Church, is it? It's okay. It's okay. There'll be all kinds of people, like kids, all different nations, all different colors, and we'll be united in one as worship. And here's the best part, Jesus will be there too. So what I want to do is I want to give you guys an opportunity here from one of my friends. Um, his name is Jonathan Parker. I'm going to bring him up here in just a second. And, and Jonathan's in charge of this thing called All Good Things. Um, but what united us was this incredible ministry called Hymns and Hops. Um, it's tonight as well. I'd love for you to go. I mean, it's a chance where, well, I'll let Jonathan talk more, but where the gospel is taken into a brewery and where we unite and worship and sing about Jesus. It is mind-blowing. I can't wait for you to hear from him. So we're going to watch a video, and then after that, we'll welcome Jonathan up. But check this out. Well, that's fun. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good. How many of you have been to Hymns and Hops? Awesome. Very fun. We have one tonight where we have 13 Stripes Brewery. Is Aaron, Aaron here? I know he's working. Uh, we'll be at 13 Stripes. Singing starts at 7. I highly recommend getting there about 6. Our last gathering had about 800 people there. Um, and uh, it gets nice and crammed in there. My favorite folks come about 3.45. You're my favorite too if you come. But my favorite folks come around 3.45, 4 o'clock, and they get their position set, and they stand there and do not move. They just stand and wait, and they, it's, it's a great time. Uh, but I'm so thankful uh, for Sean and the team here at Trailside. You got a wonderful pastor who loves you, thinks about you, prays for you. You got a team that shows up day in and day out for you. So I'd just like to honor him real quick. Can we give him a round of applause and everybody on the team? Care for your pastors, honor them, love them. It's so, so important. And to be here in Traveler's Rest, what a beautiful city. And the light and the salt that y'all are are so incredible. So if you have your Bible, open to John 1. Um, John chapter 1, that's one of the Gospels, right? We were in Matthew, now you're going to be John. That would be the fourth one. Promise not to go too long. I was telling Sean earlier, I have such a passion for Jesus-style ministry in culture that I have close to 15 hours of content. So I'm not going to keep you here for all of it because I have to get to hymns and hops, right? But uh, So I'm going to try to condense into just, just a few minutes one of the main reasons we do hymns and hops. And yes, you could say one of the main reasons I do hymns and hops is I love hymns. I grew up singing hymns, grew up very Baptist, right? So everything's alliterated today, just lock in. Um, grew up Baptist. Um, we, we love singing hymns. I love playing them. I played the trombone for a certain season of my life. True story. Good luck trying to find one of those pictures. Scrub the internet of those. Um, uh, I, love, I, I could say I do it because I love hymns. But I also go to a church where we sing a lot of songs that are written, you know, four minutes ago and are really awesome. And I love those. And, you know, we have laser lights and fog, and it's great. I love that, too. I didn't start hymns and hops because I love singing or I love hymns. I, I don't play any instruments, and I don't sing all that well. You could say you, you start hymns and hops because you love hops, and I'm not, I mean, not going to turn that down. I do love hops, right? If you chew them raw, not so good. But fermented in beer, they're really delicious, and it's a good gift that God has given us. And now that gift's not for everybody, right? If you abuse it and misuse it and have an addiction to it, it's not a good gift for you, and you shouldn't do it. But it is a gift from God that we're supposed to use, and I do like having beer. I just like having it. It's really weird to stand on a stage and say, uh, in a church, sorry, that I like to drink beer, but I do. But I didn't start Hints and Hops because I like to drink beer either. So some of you might be wondering, really weird then. Why did you do it? Great. Glad you're in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, we know that is to be Jesus, became flesh, meaning he put on, put on skin, 
and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And due to time today, we are only going to focus on one aspect of this verse, and it's the beginning part. And the word, and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is really fascinating. So you have to remember, John is writing to, to a primarily Jewish audience. So when they would have heard this word dwelt in the original language, their mind would have gone all the way back to the tabernacle. Because that word dwelt there means to pitch a tent or make a home. And that's exactly what the tabernacle was, right? It was this big tent where God resided. And when the Jewish listeners would have heard John's word of dwelt, they would have said, oh, so Jesus came and made a tent and made a home among us. And what's fascinating about the tabernacle is, you want to know where it was located? Right in the middle of everything. Right in the middle. So John is telling us in not so few verses in the beginning of his letter, Jesus came as a human and made his home right in the middle of everything. And I remember when I learned this verse about five years ago, I asked myself, am I at home in the middle of everything? But at the end of the day, churches and Christians and myself included then became really comfortable at the periphery. We loved being on the side of everything and telling people, hey, you come to us. Come to us Sunday morning, 8.45 Sunday school, 9.30, Wednesday night and Sunday night. and then You come to us and then, maybe, if you're dressed like, look like, don't have any tattoos, don't pierce, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't go to movies, don't dance. If you do all that, then, welcome. We have a church membership class for you. It's 12 weeks, right? <laughs> we got really comfortable on the side. Get really coming on side because we're like, oh no, what happens if we if we if we talk to culture? You know, they might touch us, we might get infected. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. We gotta be protected. And I I preach that. There are messages that you can't find. Praise God. <laughs> I would say things like, don't do these things. And then I found John chapter one, and John tells us, hey, Jesus was at home in the middle. Not on the side, not on the periphery, not as wallpaper, not somewhere where you couldn't be seen, but he was at home in the middle. So I started to ask myself, what does it mean to be in the middle? What does it mean to be in the middle of culture? What does it mean, like Jesus said, to be in the world, but not of the world? What does it mean to be a light and to be salt without the light being snuffed out or the salt being trampled on? What, what does that mean? And I spent... Years looking at the life of Jesus and looking at the Old Testament about what the Father did for his children and what the Holy Ghost is still doing with the church today. And, and I came to the conclusion on a lot of things that being in the middle is about being right in the middle of culture. Right in the middle of your city. Right in the middle of what's going on. And this morning I just want to offer three really quick things about what happens in the middle and then briefly tell you how hymns and hops is doing it. Because the point is not you go out and do hymns and hops. What's that point? The point is that you don't, you don't have to come to him sometimes. We'd love to have you there. It's kind of fun, singing loud. The point, the point of this morning is that you find your middle where Jesus wants to use you. That's the point. The point is for you to find your middle, and this is what happens in the middle. First, in the middle are the majority. You can look at the stats. People are running from the organizational church by thousands every month. Statistically speaking, we are dropping in not only church uh, the amount of churches we have, but church attendance. People are more comfortable saying I'm a religious person or I'm a spiritual person than I'm a church member. Statistically speaking, the organizational Sunday morning gathering church is decreasing. Now, I don't like that. I'm not for that. I love the gathering. We need the gathering to encourage one another, to worship together, to hear the teaching of, the, of, of God's word, his letter to us. Like We need the gathering, but what we have to understand is this is no longer the primary spot where people meet Jesus. Some people, your neighbors, if you say, hey, do you want to come to church with me? They will say, no. Just default. No. And whether it's a scandal or they've been hurt or they've been burned by the church or the church misused them or abused them, whatever their reasoning is, we know that the Sunday morning gathering, the organizational church is decreasing in number. And we have one or two options. We can pretend that that doesn't exist. Or we can go where the majority is. 
And see, when Jesus made himself at home in the middle, he went where the majority lived. Just read the Gospels like a novel. Like, in essence, pretend it's not a Bible. And just read it like a book. And you're going to find Jesus in small villages, in large cities, talking with five, six, seven, eight hundred people, 5,000 people. All of, those, all of those gatherings very rarely ever happened in a religious hall. It all happened in the middle of community. See, what we have to understand is Sunday morning gathering is an expression of our faith and following of Jesus, but it's not the full expression. We are the church. We are the, and in TR, this is one of the expressions where the church gathers. So we have to go where the majority is. And being in the middle means hanging out with the majority. And just as Sean said earlier today, most of the majority is dark. It, it's mostly dark. And here's the deal. It's really messy. But Jesus was okay with being a little messy. He hung out with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and people that the religious folks wanted nothing to do with. Jesus was like, I'm at home with them. I'll be at home. And you know what? This is crazy. They felt at home with him. They felt at home with him, they came to him and said, hey, I heard your teachings and I believe I can come to you. Hey, I heard about your healings, I believe I can come to you. The woman with the flow of blood who no one else could do anything for said, if I could just touch him. And there are people in TR right now that are just like, where, where can I touch something like Jesus? And if we're not in the middle of that with the majority of people, who, who are they gonna go touch? Who are they gonna be like, man, those folks... Those folks at Trailside, I'm a hot mess. Man, they love me, and I come, and I, when I touch them, I, I, something happens. There's power coming from them. All of a sudden, stuff starts changing. I heard some stories of how, of how Trailside touched you, and you touched Trailside, and some of your lives have been radically transformed. Why? Because Trailside was in the middle. Because you got a pastor who said, I'm going to be in the middle I'm going to let people know who I am and that they can touch me and that their mess doesn't scare me. See, the majority is in the middle. Second, the middle are where the miracles are. Again, read the Gospels, and, and I'm not making it up. I'm not saying Jesus never did a miracle in a religious gathering. I'm not saying he never did. There's a couple. But as John will later tell us, most of his miracles were done in the middle of the community in the city. They weren't done in the religious part. It's not come to church and have a miracle. It's come to my house for dinner. Go to a football game. Go ride a bike. See, the miracles happen in the middle. You want to know why? Here's the deal. The middle, people in the middle are really comfortable in the middle. You know where middle people are not comfortable? Right here. I mean, have you thought what happens on a Sunday morning? What we do is we gather together. We sing in unison. So, right? In unison, some people, like me, hoot and holler, jump up and down, right? We sing in unison, then we're like, hey, give us money, and then you sit for 45 minutes and listen to somebody talk, and then we're like, and if you want to respond, please support or meet somebody in the prayer team, and oh yeah, give us all of your personal information. <laughs> right? If the coffee wasn't good, I'd be out of here, right? Like, it's just, like, do you get what happens here? People aren't prepared for the miracle when they get here. They're too uncomfortable. But you know what? When we're in 13 Stripes Brewery and they're comfortable and Christians are uncomfortable, a miracle is about to happen. When Christians get uncomfortable, that's when miracles start to happen. When they can't rely on their own guts, their knowledge, their strength, their power, when Christians are uncomfortable, miracles start to happen. The disciples like, Jesus, we can't go to Samaria. Do you know who those people are? Jesus like, uh-huh. People in need of a miracle. People who know they're sick, lost, and broken. People wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, I know exactly who they are. I need to go to them. When there was the man locked in chains, turned bound by his whole family, the religious people said, just put him somewhere on a cliff, bound him, leave him be. Jesus is like, I got a boat, let's go. Because the miracles happened. And Jesus arrived, and, and he not only freed the man of demon possession, but the man came and fell on his knees afterwards and said, can I come with you? You know what Jesus said? No. You stay here. 
and let people know of the miracle that happened. Do you know what happens when a miracle happens in the middle? The miracle stays in the middle, and more people in the middle who don't trust you, but trust that guy, start asking, how is this even possible? Woo! See, miracles happen in the middle when we can't trust our awesome songs and our great speaking and our amazing volunteers when it's unexpected and unexplained, that's when things happen. Yes, sometimes going into the middle, sometimes hymns and hops, sometimes my wife and I are dinged, criticized, judged, slandered for going too far. And sometimes I wanna say, but are you going far enough? Yeah, you might, you might have a ton of things to say about hymns and hops and all good things and myself and maybe even Trailside and even Sean. Like, you're going way too far. My question is, are you going far enough though? You seeing miracles in your life? You seeing people transformed by the power of the gospel and being indwelt by the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden other people's lives are changing, families are changing, communities are changing, the church is changing. Yes, I may, may at times go too far, but I'd rather go too far for the gospel than to show up at the end of my life and go, I wish I went far enough. I wish I went more. People ask, do you talk this loud and this hard all the time? A hundred percent. Yes. You want to know why? I may die on the way home. I got no promise for tomorrow. My cousin Joey was 44, got diagnosed with cancer in September of last year, and he died uh, this past Tuesday. 44. One of my cousins who I looked up to loved him. Still love him. You know you don't? You don't have any promise tomorrow? We got choices. We can go for comfort or miracles. We can be complacent or we can go out and be conquering. Because the middle is where Jesus came and that's where the majority is. That's where the miracles are. And lastly, in the middle are the movements. When, I start, when, we, when we started Hymns and Hops, I was scared to death. Tuesday night, Grateful Brew. I was driving in the car saying, God, can more than four people show up? Just, just more than four. Will people just come? And you can watch this video. And people came. There was anyone at the first one at Grateful Brew on a Tuesday night? Okay? I was like, what is going to happen? I walked in, uh, late, mind you, because I was so scared. The place was full. And it could only hold 70 people. And the people were at the door waiting. And I had this thought, why are all these people here? <laughs> and we got in and we strung some lights and we had a band who had practiced for a total of like an hour and I got up and I was like welcome to hymns and hops and like crickets like we're gonna sing have a good time I had a cardigan on <laughs> and the singing was really atrocious uh we didn't stand, there was no hands in the air, no hooting and hollering. And as I walked around after people were like, when are you doing this again? When are you doing this again? See, I think we think movements start really, really stellar and awesome and well put together. You know how movements start? When the right thing's at the center. And here's the deal, I, I love Trailside and I love the church, okay? I want you to hear that, I love the church, it's the bride of Christ, it's what the gates of hell are not gonna prevail against, okay? I love the church and I love the gathering of the church, but we've gotten our center a little off But You know what you're gonna do when you come to hymns and hops? Very simple, you're gonna sing old hymns really loud. Someone's like, you don't preach there. I'm like, sing hymns for two hours. This is the best message you heard in 365 days, okay? Like, hymns are awesome. We've seen people come to meet Jesus singing hymns. We've seen people accidentally show up to hymns and hops. We're like, what's going on here? We're like, oh, it's hymns and hops. And they said, oh, okay, do I have to leave? The bartender would be like, why, why do you have to leave? They're like, well, I'm gay. I'm normally not welcome. Oh, I'm a different faith. I'm an agnostic. I'm an atheist. I'm a Muslim. I guess I got to go. No, no, no. You can stay. I mean, the band's great. You can sit in the back. Because movements start when the right thing's at the center, and when it comes to hymns and hops, Jesus is at the center. But some of you might be like, that's good for Jesus' ministry, but what about me? And we don't have time to go there. But John 14, Jesus is getting ready to leave the disciples. And Jesus says to him, hey, I want you to know something. I'm leaving. 
so you can do greater things. She's like, I'm leaving so that the Holy Ghost can come down and you can do greater things. Trust do you hear that? You. I mean, all of you who are making a all, all of you. You ready? You ready? You are meant to do greater things than the ministry of Jesus. That's audacious. That's audacious for me to say. But Jesus says, you will do greater things because I'm going. Some of us are like, if Jesus was just here, everything would be better. And Jesus would say, wrong. I left you here. But you're really comfortable on the side, on the periphery, in your comfort zone. Behind your fences, in your stellar church buildings. And we also know this because Luke opens Acts chapter 1. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and Acts, he, he tells his buddy Theo, because his full name is hard to say, tells his buddy Theo, <laughs> so when you wake up with a speech issue, you know, you got to condense where you can. Uh, he tells his buddy Theo, hey, that first letter I wrote you, that's to tell you what Jesus was doing and did. But guess what? Acts is about what he is still doing. Because Jesus said, I'm leaving so you can do greater things. And I believe that hymns and hops is one of those greater things. That's why I do it. That's why I do it. And Hymns and Hops for us is a middle. It's a brewery, one of the fastest growing gathering places in our country, building some of the largest halls for people to meet in. What would happen if every brewery became a place of worship? What if Swamp Rabbit Brewery, right over there, right over there, people started talking about Swamp Rabbit Brewery where they have Hymns and Hops? or where they have leaf and lager, or where they have a Bible study, where all people are welcome to meet Jesus just as they are so that they cannot stay as they came. What if that happened all across the nation in breweries? That's my middle. <coughs> and we're in Greenville, we're in Greenwood, we're launching Texas October 13th in 2019, and here's the deal. We got over 10 cities wanting us in 2020. That means potentially by the end of 2020, we would see close to 15 breweries in 15 different cities singing loud about Jesus for the glory of God and the good of all people. And here's the deal. This center is not going to change because we do this to reach people far from God in a place where they feel comfortable. That's our middle. So where's your middle? It doesn't have to be ours. Is your middle libraries or Maybe reading clubs or biking clubs? Is your middle musicians? Is your middle daycare workers? Is your middle school teachers? I don't know where your middle is, but here's, here's the thing. Jesus came in the middle. And that's exactly where those who know and love him and follow him are supposed to be. We're supposed to be in the middle. Trailside church. You individually. Known by God by name. You Where's your middle? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you love us, care for us, and you choose to demonstrate your love to the world through us. We're grateful, needy children. And Jesus, we can only do this because you're our big brother, you are our best friend, and you are our savior. So thanks for coming, dying, and thank you for rising again. We love you. Amen. And guys, give it up for Jonathan. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I think if there's one thing I could add to you, it'd be passion. Passion, probably. So just, yeah, just maybe if you were just a little excited about a little what's more. Okay. Church, um, we're so excited to have Jonathan here. Um, and when we talked about having fun, uh, I think Hymns and Hops is a great way to do that. And uh, I want to—I I told him this story this past week when we were talking. He actually didn't know. Uh, last time that I was at Hymns and Hops, which was um, what was the last one? Six weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as I was as I was walking outside, July. 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 We're in September now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Last one was three days ago. No. Yeah. Um, uh, I was outside, kind of on the second half, and uh, I saw this guy talking to another guy, and uh, I was standing near them, and I heard him sharing the gospel, like, "Hey, why, what's happening here? What what are these songs?" And this guy is literally just like sharing Jesus with this dude across the table, and it was really interesting things. It was just them. And if you've been to Hymns and Hops, you know there's not room anywhere. But this was an outside table. It was like them on one side and then no one else near because everyone kind of felt the weight of that. And uh, I was like, man, that's really cool. This guy's sharing the gospel and went back in for a few minutes. And as I was coming back out to leave, 
I saw this guy reaching over, his hand over him, and he was praying to receive Christ. Um, right there. Yeah, it was awesome. And Jonathan didn't know that until I told him um, on the phone, like, Wednesday or Thursday, whenever it was. And uh, I just want you to know, like, that's the kind of ministry impact that, that this, this thing's happened. It's being in the middle. And so um, I would encourage you. I wouldn't even really say details. Oh, yeah. Tonight, yeah. 30 starting Sanders Mill, same starts at 7, and they're on 6. They'll be done by 9. Yeah, Bring your kids. It'll be great. Yeah, and, and it's hot in there, so um, it might not be too bad, though. It's a little cooler today. Cooler. I would but, wear uh, shorts and a t-shirt. I would as well. And, and if you're nervous about sweating, just don't be, because everyone <laughs> else will be, too. So um, it's a great first date. If you lift your arms to praise, that's cool. Just know, you know, everyone else might be also addressing those around them a little more plainly. But, uh, but it's a beautiful thing. We're so excited. Uh, I want to ask, if you guys will, we're going to pray over Jonathan and his ministry and just ask God's blessing. And um, then we're going to have uh, one more song as we close up. But if you've noticed we're a little hymn heavy today, it's because I want to kind of whet that appetite a little bit because it's an incredible, incredible ministry. And so we're going to pray. We'll get you guys out of here. Thanks so much for being here. Um, but I'm going to pray. And if you will, as a sign of that, uh, extend your hand out just to bless him and, and to say that you are with him. And we're going to pray real quick as the band comes up. Jesus, thank you so much for, for Jonathan and the vision that you gave him to be in the middle. God, we can learn so much from that, even in our own way that we do community groups here, of, of just getting people who love things and want to enjoy life together um, to celebrate those things together. And so, uh, Father, we pray for hymns and hops and for all good things that you would bless Jonathan and his wife, that you would allow them to... Um, have your voice be the loudest in their ear and in their heart, not the voice of people who would say things because they're scared of the middle or people who would um, come at them out of fear or jealousy, but instead that you would continue to lift him up. God, that trailside would be a place that would um, walk with him and, and encourage him and um, well, that we would be able to see your kingdom come continuously here and there. Lord, that, that stories like this guy who who met you a few weeks ago um, would be normal, would be regular. They would always blow our minds, but that they would be occurring all the time because that's what happens when you get people together who love you well. Father, help us be people of the middle. Help us be people who aren't scared to, to walk on the fringe because that's where most people are. And help Jonathan to have a heart that is just purely um, in passion for you and for your people. Lord, we thank you for Jonathan, for his ministry, for all those who will be there helping set up. Um, and uh, God, that you would just make this incredible time where the gospel would be preached in song and people would leave encouraged knowing that you truly do feel about them the way that the songs say, that they are redeemed, they are loved. There's nothing that can separate them from you. We thank you. We love you. Tune in, we pray. Amen. Guys, give it up for Jonathan. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person, or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.